We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of a Pack-A-Day podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making this part of your day. It is Thursday this week. Uh, well, before, before we get into the day of the week, my name is Nick Schmitz. I'll be your host for the day. We uh, had a little flip-flop this week, so myself, Maggie, and Jacob will be joining you on this Thursday, and it's a great Thursday as the Packers, Maggie, Jacob, sit here at 7-1, and one. Um, far surpassing, uh, even beyond it has to be your expectations, Jacob. Uh, I don't believe that any of us had the Packers at 7-1. I know it's something I've said every week, but the reality is, guys, uh, it's it's true. This team is I, – I don't want to say it, – it's hard to say they're surpassing expectations because I feel like expectations are always high with the Packers. But given Aaron Rodgers' injury two years ago and the way things went last year – um, I would say expectations were maybe a little lower than normal, but nonetheless, sitting here at seven and one, uh, it's it's great, it's fun, and it, it's actually quite interesting because it's been actually longer than you'd think since the Packers have been sitting at seven and one. Uh, I believe their their previous best start was correct me if I'm wrong, 2015 when they started six and zero and then kind of stumbled down the stretch, finished ten and six. Uh, and uh, then ended up losing in the divisional round to the Cardinals in that thrilling game. 
the overtime Hail Mary game, uh, it, as painful as it was to lose, was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. So 7-1, and one, guys, uh, great start. I, nothing more can be said about it than that. It's just a wonderful start. It feels like how it should feel under an Aaron Rodgers-led team. Offense is looking really good now eight weeks into the season. I know it was kind of a question mark at the beginning of the year, but this is kind of what we thought. This is what we thought, that it would struggle to start the year. Uh, And then by the time you hit November, which is where we're going to be this weekend, it was going to be clicking. And it looks like – I. I, I hate saying this stuff because then it always goes against me, but it looks like Devontae Adams is going to be back this weekend. I know he says he's still day-to-day, but it seems like there's a lot of optimism that he's going to be back, which is a plus. You think this offense has been good the last four weeks? Well, guess what? Their best receiver hasn't been a part of it, so that's always great. But today we're going to quickly talk about a few things because uh, we have a little uh, special uh, special interv- interview for you that we're going to put here at the end of this podcast. Jacob was uh, fortunate enough to be able to interview a former Chargers linebacker, so you'll get that uh, when we wrap up here with our conversation. But Maggie, Jacob, real quick, just seven and one. Maggie, what are what are your thoughts so far on the season? I'm ashamed to say that I had the Packers at four and three, but I think that's because I consider myself a realistic optimist where I always hope for better than maybe what is actually happening. But I also like to be realistic so I don't get my soul crushed at any moment. Um, But this offense has been lights out the last couple of weeks, especially like you said, missing Devontae Adams, getting him back is going to be huge. And I think the defense has exceeded every type of expectations. Adarius and Preston Smith will continue to, you know, keep impressing. And I think they've contributed even more than we maybe could have expected them to at this point. They are on the same trajectory to be, you know, the Charles Woodson caliber signing for Brian Gutekunst. And I know it's way too early to put those comparisons out there, but if they keep playing at the level that they have been playing so early to start this season, that's kind of where they're headed. So just, you know, Every phase of this team is exceeding expectations. Even J.K. Scott and special teams has, I think, kind of alleviated some worries that Packers fans had going into these games. So everything about it has just been fun, and I don't really know what else to say other than I have tempered my expectations. But each week I get more and more optimistic that maybe this is the real deal. Absolutely. And Jacob, I mean, for you, I I know you had them, what, at 6-1, and was it? Six and two, I definitely had them losing against Kansas City. Uh, and I believe the wording that I used was I thought they were going to get molly whopped in Kansas City. Uh, and I'm not even sure if that's a real word, but I've heard it before. So We'll make um, it a word. It's a word on the Pack-A-Day podcast with us. It is now. So, yeah, I had them losing. I mean, granted, I expected Mahomes to play, obviously. When you go through your season uh, predictions, you don't anticipate injuries and stuff like that. But, yeah, they've surpassed my expectations. There were games that uh, – I've been wrong on. I thought they were going to beat Philly and lose to Dallas. They flipped that, uh, and I thought they were going to lose, and I, I had them losing this weekend. So I had them starting fast and kind of crapping out down the stretch. But now it's hard to feel that way and think that that's coming. One, this Chargers team is beat up. Uh, they are every year, and they are – I've compared them. I've said they're the Detroit Lions of the AFC. Nobody snatches defeat from the jaws of victory especially in the AFC, quite like the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and there's other games that I had them lo- I had them losing Chicago at home, 
Minnesota and Detroit all I had all three of those games marked as losses and I just, I can't see that happening um as we sit here right now but Nick kind of as you mentioned and as we talked about last week you know I don't want to put the cart before the horse either uh, and really I think Matt LaFleur has done a good job it's cliche and corny and Russell Wilson is all get out but the discussion of 1-0 and every week really does seem to be something that this team is buying into, and that's a credit to Matt LaFleur, Mike Patton, and, and the rest of this coaching staff because they've done a good job. Maggie, you mentioned culture change for Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. The uh, The standard for free agent signings like that is I have words Charles Woodson said tattooed on my body. So Zadarius Smith's going to have to come up with a speech like Charles Woodson's one that sends shutters down my spine that I'm going to have to get tattooed somewhere after they win a Super Bowl. So if he doesn't do that, then he doesn't reach that level of, the, of uh, Ted Thompson level, Charles Woodson signing. All right. Do well, you have Reggie White quotes tattooed on your body? I do not. I have uh, Jerry Kramer on my Ooh, right forearm. I have good. Vince Lombardi. I have Bo Schembechler. And I have I have way too many. Oh, Jesus, uh, if you guys are into that kind of stuff, I have <laughs> Bible verse tattooed on me. Uh, and I have, uh, what was the last thing? There's too many of them, guys. I have way too many tattoos. Is what now, are these just them. names, or do you have actual, like, like... No, I have quotes. So, like, Jerry Kramer's You Can If You Will speech. I thought that was awesome. I got that tattooed on me, like, two weeks later. I have an actual Bible verse tattooed on me. So what's Vince the, Lombardi's, what's the Charles, I'm not interested. What's, what's that? What's the Charles Woodson one? One mind, one heartbeat, one purpose, one goal. So on my right leg... Nick, if you ever stop punking out when I try and come meet you, then uh, maybe I'll show you sometime. But I have uh, one purpose and one goal tattooed on my leg above the Super Bowl trophy with the score from Super Bowl thirty-five. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna have the one uh, with, with the president. If he doesn't want to come see us, we'll just go see oh, him. Same speech, but yeah, not uh, not quite that. No, nothing for his uh, comments towards President Obama at the time. So, no, nothing there. But yeah, I've got quite a few of that stuff. So that is your. Standard. If you're going to be a really awesome Packer, nothing from Reggie White, I guess. Uh, well, Maggie, now you've got me going hunting after this uh, podcast is over. I'm sure I can find something he said. All right. Well, so let, let's we'll get a little back on track here uh, before <laughs> before Jacob. Uh, we're going to give him a little platform near the end of here to uh, get something off his chest. So we'll we'll get a little bit back on track before we get there again. But so real quickly, uh, shorter with us today. So depending on if you like us or not, uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not uh, real quick shout out to and oh, please forgive me if I do not pronounce your name correctly. Uh, it is my apologies, but I believe it's uh, Tana De Jesus. I believe you had made a comment on the podcast about two weeks ago when we had published it that uh, us as a collective three here was your favorite to listen to. We appreciate that. Jacob, I appreciate your comment of checks notes puts our following up to one. Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but uh, thank you so much for the kind words. We really appreciate it. We talked about it the last two weeks about making sure we mentioned it, and we've forgotten. Mostly I've forgotten because I'm – well, that's – yeah, a whole different conversation. But thank you so much for the kind words. But real quickly here, uh, we want to talk about the Packers defense versus the Chargers offense real quick. And I just kind of want to get a quick overview from both of you here. Uh, one of the big stories coming into this weekend against the Chargers, they let their offensive coordinator, Kent Wisenhunt, go. Uh, and so right now, interim um, 
offensive coordinator is their quarterback's coach, uh, Shane. I yeah, I can't even guess how to pronounce his last name. Steichen, I, maybe I, I don't know. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so he is going to be the offensive coordinator for this week, for the future, I guess, That's for some point for the Chargers. Uh, he's going to be calling plays this weekend, so not a whole lot known about him, but nonetheless kind of important coming into this matchup for the Packers. Maggie, uh, you know, thoughts on, you know, the Packers having their defense facing a offensive coordinator that was a quarterback's coach last weekend? I mean – I think that it won't change the offense too much because if you look at the Chargers offense, they are um, sixth in the NFL in passing yards per game. So Phillip Rivers is going to do what he does and probably lead the league in yardage at the end of the season. Um, You know, he's thrown 12 touchdowns so far, but seven interceptions. The Packers so far this season have eight interceptions. Um, He was sacked 14 times in eight games. Darius and Preston combined have 15 sacks on the season. So there are opportunities here to get after Phillip Rivers, and I think that's kind of the key piece going into this game. Um, But if you look at this Chargers offense, it does kind of flip-flop with everything that the Packers are maybe struggling with. And I don't know if struggling is necessarily the right word, but, you know, Keenan Allen is a, a huge threat for this Packers defense. So whether they put King on him or decide to let Jair shadow him, Um, Whether it's him or Mike Williams, you know, there's two names to keep an eye on. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are both uh, threats in the run game, which the Packers have statistically struggled with this season. And then you have Hunter Henry, who's another big-bodied tight end, similar to some of the players that the Packers have faced this season, um, who will pose a challenge for that defense. So it really is just, to me, going to depend on if they can get after Phillip Rivers and make him uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of the key to facing this Chargers team, especially with that brand new offensive coordinator. I don't think much can change after only one week, but I do think that Phillip Rivers is kind of the key to that offense, either getting into a really nice rhythm or getting him frustrated and flustered. And then the defense has a big day. Well, and Jacob, you know, it's interesting. I I know you'll touch on this in a few minutes here, but last Sunday the Packers defense was kind of bend but don't break. Uh, you know, 17 points, second quarter, only seven points in the second half. So, uh, you know, is there any concern with you right now about how this defense is playing kind of as a whole, what they looked like? I know a lot of people were frustrated with, I guess, if you want to say how well they made Matt Moore look last Sunday against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, any any concerns from last Sunday's game kind of, Coming into this Sunday's game, Philip Rivers, I, I know you called him the Matt Stafford of the AFC, uh, which when said out loud actually is probably a quite a great comparison. Uh, but, you know, he's clearly a better quarterback than Matt Moore. Any concerns on your end about this defense coming into this weekend? No. Um, I mean, you mentioned Philip Rivers, and there are people that are going to argue on Twitter the day he retires. That's like a litmus test. People that think he's a hall of famer and I'm not one of them. Uh, not a QB wins guy, but I definitely think he's got a lot of empty calories in terms of his statistics and everything like that. And when Phillip rivers is bad, he's as bad as any quarterback in football. Uh, there was, I remember the last time green Bay was in San Diego, that game turned into a shootout 
But Phillip Rivers threw two pick sixes in that game and three interceptions. So he was terrible and really only got back into the game because the Packers, well, the Packers defense that year was really, really bad too. But they were able to do some things and get them back into the game. But in general, they struggle to protect. Rivers isn't going to get away from anybody. They don't really like getting the ball out of his hands quickly. They kind of want to take their shots down the field with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And you're just not going to have time to do that with a bad offensive line and Zadarius and Preston Smith bearing down on you. Uh, so I don't, I don't have a ton of concern on that. Uh, the Chargers certainly have some good players on offense, but this Packers defense is the opposite of what the Chargers typically do. You know, I mentioned snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Well, more often than not this year, the Packers defense has been asked to make a play to either win the game, ice the game, or give their offense a chance, and they've prevailed every single time. Um, even that Philly game where they didn't play well, they made a stop at the end of the game to get Aaron Rodgers the ball back after they failed on the first goal line sequence there. The Packers did have a chance to score again because their defense was able to get the ball back. So something, and even the 2010 defense was this way to some degree. You know, that defense was very, very good, but there were segments when they struggled and gave up a lot of yards or maybe some points against teams that you're like, are you? Sh- are we sure they're that good? But ultimately, they were able to prevail. They made big plays at the end of games. And that's what I think you have to be able to do. You know, when you get to a Super Bowl situation or an NFC Championship kind of situation and you're playing against Drew Brees or Russell Wilson or Tom Brady if you're playing over there, Patrick Mahomes if you're playing in the Super Bowl, guys like that, you're not going to shut those guys down. Uh, you know, you saw last last year's Super Bowl a bit of an anomaly. But, you know, two years prior, that Eagles defense was pretty good. And they had to score 41 points to beat the Patriots. And that's happened several times. The Patriots have had to score points in bunches. They had to score 34 to win their recent Super Bowl before last year where the Rams were unable to score. So I think you have to be able to make plays when the game matters the most. The biggest play of the game was a forced fumble that really turned the tide in Green Bay's favor. The Packers have been finding different guys to make those kinds of plays all season long. And I think that that's what they're going to be able to do again. And Phillip Rivers is going to gift them a couple anyways. He only threw – one interception against Chicago on Sunday, but there were at least two or three other passes the Bears just weren't able to come down with. Well, yeah, and you know, it, for Philip Rivers, the one thing that he really likes to do is in, sometimes works in his favor, sometimes it burns him. He likes to try to fit passes into, you know, really tight windows. And, you know, you saw it last week in Chicago, one interception, other passes, like you said, Jacob, probably should have been intercepted. So that'll be something to keep an eye on is to how many tight windows he tries to fit into this weekend um, against this Packers defense. So real quickly, got to wrap up a couple of things here because we do, like I said, we have this uh, special interview uh, that we're going to play here at the end. Um, but we're, we're doing this new segment. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you call it a segment, but a little little bit. <laughs> Uh, that uh, we are affectionately now calling, as my wife has deemed it to be called, uh, Green and Goldens. This goes back to that uh, who needs uh, a hug and a puppy uh, after the game for whatever reason. So, uh, Maggie, I'm going to let you do the honors of the first Green and Goldens, official Green and Goldens award that we are giving out. So the award this week goes to... Darius Shepard. And that is because he played so poorly on special teams that he was released from the roster, eventually re-signed to the practice squad, but that man could still very much use a puppy. Absolutely, yes. And um, 
you know, it, again, we don't we don't say this in jest, especially with Darius Shepard. You never like to see somebody lose their job, but after the last couple of weeks that he's had, I'm sure he could use a hug and a puppy. And Jacob, the honorable mentions this week are uh, Nick Schmitz's fantasy team. Uh, we'll get to <laughs> yes. in a minute. Oh my gosh! Yes, my fantasy team. And uh, Blake Martinez, who had a rough game, uh, and he's playing with a club, so that probably doesn't help him. But yeah, Nick's fantasy team lost on Sunday night because Aaron Jones stepped out of bounds on his first touchdown. Uh, well. Supposed to be touched, and really, honestly, well, no, it, it, it was his second one because it was the long one that would have put him up fourteen nothing because he got the little pitch on the inside for the first score. Oh, that's it? right. Okay, so yes, his first long touchdown. There were so many plays that he had that night; it's kind of hard to keep them all straight. But really, we should be talking about the worm celebration too because they pulled that out two times for nothing. Yeah, the worm so celebration the- needs a puppy. Yes, the worm celebration needs a puppy, and yeah, hugs to Darius Shepard. It was a great camp story, but. Yeah, it was a rather fast fall from grace. Uh, but, you know, he'll have a chance to compete in camp next year. They brought him back to the practice squad. So hopefully the uh, puppy that we just gifted him helps him earn a spot on the roster next next year. I don't think this is the last we've heard of Darius Shepard. I feel confident saying that. Well, regardless of whether or not it's the last we've heard of him, uh, he is the first annual winner of the Green and Golden Award. Maybe not an award you want to be winning a lot of. But uh, one thing that we will say, and Jacob, you pointed this out, it's a problem that you are very much willing to have at this point, which is it's kind of hard to give out the award after a win, which, um, again, I, like, like you said, Jacob, it's a problem that we're all willing to, to suffer through and not be able to give out you know, depressing awards like that every week. So. Yeah, despite this being a very prestigious award, it's one that I want us to have to search for something really hard uh, to find the answer to. And honestly, if we didn't have Darius Shepard to give it to, it would have been very difficult to actually legitimately give it to somebody this week. So that's a good thing. Now, your fantasy football concerns are legitimate. I think that that's fair to say. No, because I'm always one of those people. I cannot stand people that, like, they're like, oh, like, I'm playing against Aaron Rodgers this week, and I'm a Packers fan, so I hope he sucks. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no way. That person's awful. So, yeah. So don't be that person. So, all right, well, we got to wrap up real quick here. So, Maggie, Jacob, Maggie, if people want to follow your work, find you, how can they do that? You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find my writing for Cheesehead TV. I talk a lot about how I would die from Al LaFleur um, to give that some context. I appreciate his play calling, his coaching style, and his leadership. And I don't feel like I need to clarify that any further. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> All right. And Jacob, uh, if people want to find your work, follow you. How do they do that? Yeah, ridiculous. But uh, you can find me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Uh, I talk a lot about my baby and that's, really like 80% of the content these days. So um, yeah, check me out there. And then uh, if you guys are going to be at the Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams signing at Waukesha sports cards, two of us will be there and we're working on getting the third one there. So feel free to come say hello. Guess to which one's the third one that we're working on getting there. Yeah. Obviously it's not Jacob because he was the one that promoted it. Yeah. And it's not Maggie because she's not a flake. So I guess. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> deeply offended by that. I think I'm the second annual winner of Green and Goldens after yeah, that. There we go. <laughs> so I tell you what, if you come to the event, I will bring you a puppy. <gasps> that's that's absolutely worth it. 
Can I have one? Because I'm already going to be there. I'll name him Jamal. This is getting this is getting expensive quickly. <laughs> well, anyway, so uh, potentially, uh, yes, come to that event. You can for sure meet two of us and hopefully a third. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at SportsSmitty. And Jacob, it, it's is it still progressively getting better or is it kind of dying down again? No, I laugh at a, quite a few things you say throughout the week. So, yeah, it's it, I, when I first met you, let me think. I think I followed you officially about a year ago in August, which is when this whole shindig started. And, yeah, I don't re- – I remember following you and thinking, like, oh, man, did I follow him? I don't see anything. <laughs> and it's because you hadn't said anything. So, yeah, there's more to it. There's definitely some substance. There you go. All right. Well, and Jacob is just the center of attention this week on the podcast. Not only did he do the interview that you'll be hearing in just a couple of minutes, but uh, – Wanted to devote a little bit of special time for Jacob this week on the podcast because he has something that he needs to get off his chest. So, Jacob, go ahead. Yeah, we don't have a cool name for this segment of the podcast, but just watching the game on Sunday, and I follow through my Twitter feed, and just watching some of you guys melt down throughout the course of the game, I have no idea how some of you enjoy football. And if that's your, if your fatalist mentality is that the game, you know, I made some joke during the game that reading through my tweets, you would think the Chiefs were winning 365 to 14, which was a fortunate typo, I guess, because I meant to type 35, but it turned into 365. <laughs> uh, and then at the end of the game, I was like, oh, would you look at that? Green Bay won 31 to 24. Just watch the game. There's ebbs and flows to all of these games, and I have no idea how you can watch this year's team and not think that things are different from the last two years. Because, yes, the last two years, the Packers jump out to that lead. As soon as the Chiefs tie it, the game was, for all intents and purposes, over because Green Bay was going to spit the bit like they usually did, at least for the last two seasons. This team is different. Relax. Watch the game. And remember, the other team is paid to make plays, too. So even it's not always that Green Bay is sucking. Mike Patton screwed this up. Matt LaFleur screwed this up. This player screwed that up. McCole Hardman's really fast, guys. Tyreek Hill, really fast. The Kansas City Chiefs are one of the five best offenses in football, even at a skill position standpoint with Matt Moore playing. So I beg of you, Sunday, when something goes wrong, in the words of Herman Edwards, don't press send, please. That's (laughs) my biggest complaint of all of you is just watching that weekly meltdown that doesn't need to happen at all. And what what ultimately ends up happening is at the end of the game, you probably go back and read some of those tweets and go, man, I feel pretty dumb for having thought that, said that, whatever. I just delete my tweets. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, so you're that guy. But like, No, I mean, no, I don't do that. Not unless oh, okay. it's horrible. Okay, so my thing is like, yes, I think some things that are not necessarily the greatest, but then I breathe and think, is that really worth saying? And most of the time it's not. So – just breathe a little bit. Watch and enjoy. This team's really good, guys. They're seven and one. They're really good. Just enjoy watching this because it's a lot of fun and it doesn't happen all the time. Well, there you. You, there you go, Jacob. You feel better now? It's off your chest. Much better. Good, good. All right. Well, I'm glad you feel much better. And, <laughs> you know, Jacob, I, I have to agree with you. The amount of times that I have hit the compose button and typed something and just looked at it for like. Three seconds. The amount of deleted tweets that were never sent is a very high volume for me. I don't know about anyone else, but I have a very high volume of typed tweets that never got sent. And it's probably a positive thing. 
Well, I don't like tweeting, so yes. <laughs> there but, you go. I send all my tweets because I'm reckless. Radio silence, sir. <laughs> what happened? I was waiting for Nick to say something, and he never did. <laughs> I was trying to think of something to say, and my brain just... Completely, I thought you froze. Completely blank. My brain was just like, uh, words? Words. Words. Story of my life. You're getting on my this, Twitter. Right? Like, this is going to be on the show tomorrow, right? Well, it can oh, yeah. be. Oh. Please keep this. All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And make sure you stick around for Jacob's interview with former Chargers linebacker Kyle Emanuel. Uh, great listen. And uh, so, Jacob, take it away. I have Kyle Emanuel, formerly of the North Dakota State Bison and the uh, former linebacker for the Los Angeles Chargers as well. Uh, also played in San Diego. So one of the few guys that's had that crossover. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you here. Get some insight from a former NFL linebacker. So just a little overview here on who you are, what it is that you have uh, been doing, and uh, some things of that nature. So let's start first and foremost. Uh, a lot of people, if they listen to this podcast, they've probably heard Jacob Morley and Ross Uglum, some North Dakota State Bison alum themselves. And uh, that's where you were, and you played so some big names, some Carson Wentz types, uh, and also some former and current Packers. Yeah, I actually got to play with, uh, well, Billy Turner was my sweet mate, uh, so we came in on the same recruiting class, and then Darius Shepard was also here. Uh, he was a true freshman uh, my last my last season at North Dakota State. Yeah, really good story, really good kid. Everybody always seems to have really nice things to say about Shepard when uh, his name comes up, so... That's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about, you said you were sweet mates with Billy Turner. I guess we can start there. He's uh, been a big presence for this Packers offensive line. And uh, Aaron Rodgers pointed out his presence in the huddle uh, almost immediately. Now, I know you guys play different sides of the ball, but personality-wise, just what's he like? Give us maybe a little glimpse inside of uh, what's it like to play with Billy Turner. Yeah, Billy's a unique uh, human being, to say the least, in, in a good way. And I think uh, some Packers fans probably have noticed that, just the, the way he dresses and uh, his his Irie uh, piece, uh, all, all his hashtags he uses on his Instagram every single time in his caption. So, uh, he, But he's a great dude, and his mentality is a big reason why he is uh, such, a, such a dominant player. And, uh, he, I mean, at NDSU, he, no one got by him. I think he gave up like one or two sacks in his career or something like that. So, uh, he, he was, he was fun to play with. He played right away as, as a true freshman and really made an impact. Yeah. And he's done that here in green Bay as well. I definitely replaced a gaping hole on the right side of that offensive line. Obviously your former teammates with a lot of the guys that are going to be playing against green Bay this weekend. And that's the Los Angeles chargers. And let's kind of dive in a little bit uh, on those guys and what exactly has been going on this season because I mean on paper you guys they are one of the most talented rosters in all of football and it seems like they're snake bitten as a franchise uh, and I don't know if you felt that when you were on the roster because it seems like every year there's a ton of injuries a ton of issues that take place on uh, the Chargers last year I mean last year I think the final record was 11 and 5 or they finished one game behind Kansas City uh, before bowing out to New England in the second round of the postseason. But this year, high expectations, and they're three and five. And they have a point differential of zero. Uh, so that tells me they lose a lot of close games, and they've won some close games as well. They've finally got some luck on their side 
on Sunday in Chicago with Eddie Pinheiro missing a field goal. So early in the year, I mean, we're about halfway through the season now. Uh, what are some trends? What are some issues? What has plagued this Chargers team outside of the obvious in terms of injuries? Yeah, I mean, you. I think you have to start with injuries. It, it was something that we dealt with when I was there, too. It seemed like every single year. I don't know if it's been – as much of key players, I guess you could say, like this year, like with Derwin James going down uh, in the preseason. Uh, I don't know if we dealt with something like that, but we it was injuries across the board, and I think that's where we have to point to early on. Um, but I think when you look at this Chargers team, and I and I was kind of trying to figure out the same thing, you know, on our podcast, so why why are they not winning games? And sometimes it just comes down to a player or two, a little bit of luck, something like that. Last year, if you looked at our scores, there were many blowouts, and we we actually went twelve and four, and we won a lot of close games. And in the NFL, that's what you have to find a way to do. You have to find a way to win a game, even like in Chicago. I mean, I. You necessarily don't want to put it in the hands of the other opposing team's kicker, but uh, that's that's kind of where where the charges are at right now. So just finding a way to win a game, as simple as that sounds, sometimes it's it's hard to do. And I think that win against the Bears will do a lot for this team, at least mentally, and getting that confidence of knowing like, hey, we can win games and we can finish this. Even in a game where honestly they got outplayed a little bit, they, the time of possession was 38 minutes for the Bears. Uh, but the Chargers defense did do a good job in the red zone, holding them uh, to one and five. You mentioned that confidence. How hard is that to keep? It sounds crazy to think that way when you have Phillip Rivers, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, Joey Bosa, uh, Melvin Ingram, so many good players on that team in general. But how big and how hard is it to establish that confidence from a year to year basis? Yeah, it's it's definitely hard year to year, but it's more almost game to game. When you start to lose a couple of those games, and you get off to poor starts. It almost starts to become one of those things, and you hate to say it, and but it's it's hard to shake where you're almost expecting something to go wrong, even if you have a lead or something. You're just you're waiting for that one or two plays to to go against you rather than for you. But then when you get on these winning streaks, which I kind of think this team has the ability to do, I don't know if it'll start now or maybe later in the season, but obviously sooner rather than later. Then you get into a, a mindset of like, all right, now we just we're waiting on something good to happen, and that's kind of been the difference for this team. And that's why I think I really do think that Bears win was was so big for them. Yeah, something last year, for example, when you were there, might have been that win at Arrowhead Stadium against Kansas City. I mean, that was a a really entertaining game from what I remember from watching it way back when, and some confidence kind of rolled from there, uh, whereas you guys were set up and set pretty well, I thought, to make a deep playoff run, just happened to run into Tom Brady and the Patriots. That, uh, that'll, that'll hurt a lot of teams in terms of uh, getting to where they want to go. Uh, looking at the Chargers' defense here, I mean, obviously, I think that starts Joey Bosa, uh, and Melvin Ingram, I mentioned those guys off the top, but is that their biggest strength so far, even this season with those guys rushing the passer? And are there some other guys that, because the Packers offensive line this year has been really good. I mean, we mentioned Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins is somebody else that has had a really good year. Brian Balaga, uh, David Bakhtiari, two guys you faced in your career as well. Uh, that's kind of where a lot of games against the Packers, it seems like starts is how do they get pressure on Aaron Rodgers? But is that on paper, that's definitely the Chargers' strength has that played into fruition so far in this young season yeah and I think you saw it this last week Joey Bosa really got going he had two sacks and they were kind of at at key times um in the ball game so I think that's 
that's something that's going to be uh, it's going to be the matchup to to watch in this game. Uh, if you ask me, I think if the Chargers can get pressure uh, on a really good Packers offensive line, that's going to go a long way. And not only that, but just keeping Aaron Rodgers in the in the pocket when things do collapse, he's he's uh, kind of proven over his career that he's able to to make things out of nothing. And uh, so I think you have to look there. I think you also have to look at when, you know, when when the Packers are able to get the ball off it, Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Checkdowns have been kind of an issue for this team. Uh, you, they're more of a soft zone, I guess you could call, with four under three deep. And it all comes down to, to tackling. And there has been times this year where the, the Chargers have struggled a little bit with missed tackles. So those are two things I think you have to look for defensively for the Chargers to be successful in this game. Looking at, I mean, you mentioned uh, the the matchups there, Bosa doing his thing, and it, and it looks like the Bosas have been doing the same moves for 30 years. His little brother, Nick, are both phenomenal players uh, in that California area. Both came from Ohio State. It kind of seems strange how they keep following each other like that, but they do. Um, when you look at those guys' matchups against David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, and with you having played against those guys at least a little bit or at least watched some film on them, how do you beat those guys? How do you get around those guys and get into the quarterback space? Because if Rodgers has all day to throw, obviously any quarterback, but especially one as good as him, is going to pick them apart. Yeah, Bakhtiari in, in particular, I remember, he's really good at getting off the ball and getting off the ball quickly, so it's hard to beat him with a speed rush because I mean, you're, you're, you're not going uh, to get off the ball quicker than him, and he's already got an advantage being behind the line of scrimmage. So, I mean – if you're Joey, I think I think twists can work well. I think if you get a three technique that can kind of take advantage of, of Bakhtiari's deep set, uh, that'll help out. But, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. I think that's what I said. I think it's going to be a good matchup to see. Melvin Ingram likes to, likes to speed rush. He likes the bull rush as well. Uh, I think you just have to be able to get the, his Bakhtiari's hands off you, which Bosa is good at, with the swipe move, and you see him and Nick do that. So, I mean, it's going to be kind of a back and forth and just uh, you know who can take advantage of the other, uh, especially when it starts to get to crunch time. Looking at one of the other things that Matt LaFleur has done to kind of complement or help mitigate some of the loss uh, with Devontae Adams having not played in recent memory has been getting the running backs matched up on the linebackers. And that's been a really big challenge in the last couple of weeks for opposing defenses. Is that something that the chargers can match up with in terms of matching up with Aaron Jones had almost 160 yards receiving on Sunday night and was really the go-to guy when the plays mattered the most. Do the chargers have guys that can maybe match up with that a little better than what Kansas city had? Well, I think, you know, if if I'm just looking at it from, you know, I'm on the outside now, but looking at it from the outside, I think that may be an issue for the Chargers a little bit. And I don't know how much – I don't think they're going to play much man. They're not going to stick many linebackers on there. Chargers had Jatavis Brown, who I think – you know, he was probably the quickest linebacker, closest to a DB probably at that linebacker position. But he was a healthy scratch last week, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Um, so I think I think it could be an issue. You know, you play a lot of zone, but the, especially in third downs, uh, when you start to bring pressure, sometimes you are forced to play man-to-man. Um, and I think, again, that's going to be a key area for them. They have to be successful. And, and when he does catch the ball, they have to be able to tackle. So looking on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about a couple different things that could be some issues. But what do you think with this Green Bay offense, this is obviously different than the one you faced when you were here four years ago. How much of them have you seen of what they're doing, uh, what's changed under Matt LaFleur, and what do you think is the biggest challenge that they present to a Chargers defense that has had some good moments but also struggled at points through the season? 
Yeah, well, I think just the the passing attack, the Chargers have done a, a decent job um, of limiting points this year, but they have given up quite a few yards uh, throughout there. Even Trubisky, everyone's talking about him and him struggling, but he he did put up some yards, and they actually threw for more yards in that game than than Phillip Rivers did. So I think you know just limiting Rodgers' ability to get the ball downfield. I mean. I'm I'm just looking at it again from the outside, but he's he's been dialed in, especially these last two weeks, and and again being able to create some magic when things aren't there exactly. So uh, getting him off the field, I think winning time of possession is going to be key for this team to win the, uh, this week. Okay, so that could be something that plays into the Chargers' hands. The Packers' run defense has certainly struggled. Getting off the field, establishing that running game with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler might be a path to getting them their fourth win of the season. One guy that you used to play with that used to be here in Green Bay is Casey Hayward. And this is somebody that comes up pretty often. Whenever a Packers cornerback struggles, and it seems like Hayward has a big day all the time. He's one of the best players at his position. What's it like playing with a guy like him, knowing that that side of the field is basically blanked off and that he's going to take care of his business. So it kind of makes the field shorter for the rest of you guys. Yeah, it was awesome playing with Casey. I mean, first and foremost, he's he's a great guy. Uh, he's he's great to have in the locker room. I know he wanted. Uh, I think you know for the majority of his career, they kind of considered him a a nickel corner, and he wanted to be able to go somewhere and prove that he can be a, a number one guy. And and he's definitely proven that, especially that first year. He was. It was, seemed like every game he was getting an interception. So uh, he it. The corners are asked to do a lot in in Gus Bradley's cover three defense. A lot of times, uh, you you have to you have to when you say when you're back, you're back. So you can't get beat deep. But at the same time, when there's comebacks and things like that, you have to be able to compete. And and I think that's where uh, Casey's really good. He's a confident man, which is what you need to do. What, what you need to be when when you're sitting out there uh, in one on one. And he'll also come up and and he's a willing tackler. And that's another key thing to to be a, an elite corner in this league. Yeah, Casey's Twitter account is always a, a fun. He's always sure to remind people whenever they bring up best corners that his name gets mentioned, yep. whether it's by him or otherwise. Uh, so that's been fun to watch. I'm glad to see he's doing well. You mentioned he's a great guy. That's something that definitely came across when he was in Green Bay uh, as a player, and it's something a lot of the people around the team and the organization have kind of said the same thing. It was unfortunate to see him go. But, yeah, you mentioned that first season where he played the boundary and was incredible, uh, and he's really earned himself – Every every dollar, every accolade, every everything that he's gotten since he's moved uh, on from Green Bay. It's unfortunate uh, from a fan standpoint, at least, that it worked out that way for him. But I'm happy for him as a person. Last thing, Kyle, before we let you go, and I did mention um, several times throughout this that you played here a few years ago, and it was your rookie season, if memory serves here. Yeah. Uh, Packers won 27 to 20 at Lambeau Field. Demarius Randall knocked a pass away at the last moment just kind of take me through a little bit couple minutes or you know a couple thoughts that you have on some of your memories of just coming to Lambo playing here and maybe the game in general yeah well it was kind of a I guess a dream come true you could say to to play at Lambo I grew up a Brett Favre fan when I was really little I was I'm not I wasn't a diehard Packers fan but I was you know you're little and you're kind of a bandwagon fan and the Packers were good back then so so I decided to cheer for him so I used to watch the Packers as a kid 
And, uh, you know, I think Lambo is so unique because it almost gives you that, that college or like almost a high school, uh, feel when you're driving through like neighborhoods and there's people just outside, uh, tailgating, barbecuing, whatever. And then all of a sudden pops up this huge, uh, magnificent stadium. So I still remember that drive through, uh, going to that historic place. Um, for the game, you know, it was unfortunate. I actually got injured the week before. And so I didn't play a ton. I played mostly special teams, but, uh, I do remember just the way Aaron Rodgers conducted the offense that day was was pretty special and and he was uh I don't know if he does it as much anymore but he used to be really good at when when teams were trying to sub or or something like that or if after a big play going really fast he was also really good um scrambling and I again he's he's getting older now but he he still has that ability and um it it was a fun game unfortunately we lost we gave ourselves a chance there at the end um but overall i mean just kind of a memorable experience getting to to play in uh, such a historic place that's kyle emmanuel formerly of the los angeles and san diego chargers and before that a north dakota state bison kyle first of all thank you very much for your time and coming on the show today second of all if we want to keep up with where you're at is there any way do you do the social media thing do you do podcasting and stuff like that out in la Uh, where can we find your stuff yeah, so I'm on on Twitter at, at Kyle Emanuel. That's one M in Emanuel at Kyle Emanuel fifty one. Uh, and then yeah, uh, I'm a co-host of a Chargers podcast on the Believe Network. That's B L E A V. And uh, yeah, we 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 talk Chargers. We talk a little bit of everything uh, that's going around in the NFL. So um, enjoying the broadcasting side of it uh, for now. Not uh, not playing anymore, but it, it's a fun way to stay uh, involved in the game. Absolutely. Well, we're appreciative, and I think you have a bright future ahead uh, in terms of the broadcasting stuff now that you're done playing. But that is Kyle Emanuel, guys. He mentioned at Kyle Emanuel, 1M51. Uh, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on again, and uh, hopefully you guys aren't too happy on Sunday afternoon, but hopefully (laughs) a tough competitive game. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jacob. Once again, that was Kyle Emanuel, former linebacker of the Los Angeles Chargers. Thank you again, Kyle, so much for taking the time sitting down with Jacob. We really appreciate it, all of us here from a Pack-A-Day podcast. So if you happen to be listening to this, thank you so much for doing this interview. We greatly appreciate your time. So once again, Jacob, thank you for recording that. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to make that work as well. So thank you, everyone, for listening again. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.